Hi listeners, welcome back to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, covering the Stormlight Archives, currently covering The Words of Radiance by Brandon, no, just Words of Radiance, Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, this episode's up late. If you're listening into the future, you didn't notice, but this is for our awesome listeners that wait for it every week. Emily and I had uh, family in town, and we just decided to temporarily give up on podcasting and didn't tell any of you. But we're back now! (laughs) Please enjoy this episode of Words of Radiance. Take it away, theme song. Listeners, we defeated the gremlins. Not the ones from the movie, but the ones that soldiers in World War II said used to tear apart their planes. (laughs) The technological ones. Emily, would you like to tell them how we're communicating with each other over this podcast? So we have our Zoom window open because the Gmail video call sound wasn't working so i've got megan up on zoom on mute and i'm talking to her via phone via headphones in my ears with over the headphones headphones covering those earphones so we don't pick up extra sound (laughs) we're just making it work that's what we're doing so you guys know that we don't record an episode of this and an episode of Roswell consistently every week. There's like there's like a gap. Um, so you guys should know that we just recorded the 21st episode of Roswell where Emily is flabbergasted that I laughed at the scenes where someone's being tortured. She did. And I would like to say, everyone, oh, no. <laughs> Emily laughed when Yasna I was surprised. It wasn't that I was gleeful that she was dead. I wasn't laughing because it was funny. It just came out of nowhere. Like, I mean, Meg, you've read this book before. (laughs) Yes, so I'm a monster, okay? I'm a monster. But only one person (laughs) is dead and her suffering is over. But Max had to experience so much torture (laughs) and Megan just laughed through the whole episode. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Megan and I should be doing concept art. (laughs) Hi, my name's Emily and I get a quick break because I turned in the next hundred pages of my book. Oh, I'm so proud of you. And so to celebrate, we're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. Uh, we're continuing on with Megan's Choice. We are now on Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. This week we are reading two chapters, seven, Open Flame, and eight, Knives in the Back, Soldiers on the Field. Now, Emily, could you open us up by reading the epigraph at the beginning of chapter seven and what you said directly after reading it? Yes, yes I can. All right, chapter seven, Open Flame says, I was unprepared for the grief my loss brought, like an unexpected rain breaking from a clear sky and crashing down upon me. Gavilar's death years ago was overwhelming, but this, this nearly crushed me. From the Journal of Navani Colin. Now, and so I, was I go, with Emily. 
Because <laughs> she goes, I want to watch you read this, which should have been my first tip off that something terrible was going to happen. But she's like, I want to watch you. I want to watch you read this chapter. So I read that epigraph and immediately started the first couple of lines of the chapter and stopped and went, oh, Dalinar's <laughs> going to die, isn't he? <laughs> this is so stupid. I hate this. And I got really like upset. And as I started reading the rest of the page, I stopped halfway and I didn't say this out loud and I wish I would have. This would have been great. But as I'm reading, because uh, what's happening is the ship that Yasna and Shalon are on is currently under attack. And as I'm reading through, Shalon's <laughs> trying to figure out what to do, but I'm still still stuck on the idea of Dalinar dying. And I was just like, you know, she wouldn't, Navani wouldn't be this upset if Elokar died. <laughs> because remember one of our conversations was I got so upset where you're like well maybe if Dalinar would get hurt if his kids died and <laughs> so I was just like okay yeah I'm sure a mom would be sad but Elokar is such an idiot that if he dies that's fine and I'm like ooh if it's Yasna that's going to be terrible. And like the next like four sentences down, it's like Yasna's body is on the floor of the ship, clearly dead. And that's when I laughed because I was surprised that my guess, quote unquote, had come to pass in under 10 seconds. <laughs> and then Yasna was dead. She's like a larger than life figure. I never Not expected anymore. that. Oh. <laughs> You're dead, Megan. You're terrible. You you laughed. It was was, okay. Hey, it was a shock. We're gonna gonna deal with this through some comedy, and I yeah, I'm sad. (laughs) I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Hey, maybe we should have. We're gonna have to preface this episode by saying. Guess what? Emily and I deal with sadness and discomfort by cracking jokes. So I don't want you all to feel that we are disrespecting Yasna. Being glib. By being glib. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm sorry. This is just how I do things. It's hitting me now. Like I we sat down, we read this and immediately started podcasting. But like I'm feeling really, really sad and like getting a little choked up because Yasna died. And it's it just takes me a longer time to process my emotions. And so I am sad about it, but it hasn't mm-hmm. fully hit me yet. And like I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but the idea of when you get into a book and you're reading a book and these people become your friends or you feel like you know them and so yeah when a character dies and you feel sad you really are mourning the loss of someone that you feel that you know and I don't think it's weird like I've had people be like you cried at where the red fern grows or whatever I'm like you didn't you're a monster you know but Mm -hmm. people deal with things in their own way but yeah I'm as I was going through the rest of the chapters I kept getting distracted I'm like why am I feeling so sad (gasps) Yasna died like it's it's coming. The wave of emotion is coming. And I think it's interesting that, you know, we don't get another Shalon point of view in these chapters, but she also doesn't really have time to process it. Like, she doesn't 
she doesn't even get a chance to be with the body after because she's stumbling around the cabin in the dark and she completely misses it. Mm -hmm. That, like, I don't think it's real for Shalon yet what has just happened. Mm -hmm. And we're reading... The, the epigraphs are Navani's diary about it, mm-hmm. but we don't have a scene yet where Navani learns about it. Oh my gosh, I, I'm not looking forward to that. I'll read it. I'm not going to refuse to read it, but I'm not looking forward to it. And so I, I feel that in this book, this is the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like a, like it's the lightning. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the book is the thunder about what this means. Because you mentioned uh, when you're reading this that, oh my gosh, Yasna never finished her research. Yeah, that her life is unfinished. Her life, her life's work is unfinished. She had so much momentum and so much potential that was propelling her forward. They were finally going to go and um, explain we think that the void bringers are the Prashendi. Like they've discovered this whole big thing and she doesn't get to do it. And I, I think that's a great writing technique to even make a death Mm -hmm. feel more tragic because someone not being able to finish their life's work or something they're very passionate about or getting, you know, like stopped so suddenly just makes the death even more tragic is, is, kind of the word i'm looking for but poignant yeah but <sighs> remember i okay i'm not gonna say i love this that's not what i mean by that but i love that brandon sanderson can pull surprises like this because i feel like sometimes you read an author's book and you're like oh i understand how they write i understand their pacing because we've talked about the pacing for me is weird in these books in that stuff happens way sooner than I think it's going to. But we started the book off with the prologue with Yasna who like, she's so smart and she's thought of everything. Like she's bribing assassins to come to her first so that she can protect her family. Like she has done all of these things to protect the people that she loves. And all of a sudden she's this larger than life character that's just gone, like Mm -hmm. gone. Yeah, and we were talking at the beginning of this book in in one of our earlier episodes that, wow, look at how great everything's going for Shalon. She is learning all she wants to from Yasna. Yasna's taking her to the Shattered Plains where they're going to be at the center of basically what's happening in Alessala. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love you, capital city, but really the action's on the Shattered Plains. Emily... What will be the ramifications for Shalon's uh, everything Yasna promised Shalon? Listen, I didn't want to bring it up in the middle of this grief, but I am not going to get the immediate Adolin Shalon love story that I was promised. I don't know what is going to happen because it's one thing to show up to the Shattered Plains with the king's sister who says hey this woman or young lady is amazing has all of these really cool abilities and here's what we've learned together versus hey i'm a stranger you don't know me your sister promised i could marry the king's cousin did she write and tell people that did she and navani talk about that or did did yasna just tell shalon this is my plan 
Uh, she and Navani had talked about it. Okay. Okay. So um, there's that at least. Yeah. Um, but that is going to throw things into tailspin because, okay, let's, I don't want to bring this back to Elokar, but he is so paranoid about assassinations. I can't imagine that this attack on the ship was random. I don't believe that. I fully believe that someone wanted to stop Yasna and Shalon from getting this information into people's hands that could that could actually do something about it. So I don't know if these people are working for like the overarching eye in the sky god person who's evil that goes and like destroys all the other worlds or if these this is the ghost bloods or what like I don't know who did this but I was right. I was right about it being the new kid. Thank you very much. I was right. Uh, you were right about the new kid, and I want to ping you one more thing that happened in the last chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yasna's door latch was broken. Work. Oh, listen, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I thought that was weird. But I didn't. I don't think I said anything about it. But I'm like, they mentioned that a couple times. That's gonna be a thing. Cause you know we know Yasna could defend herself in a fight, mm-hmm. but if she had no warning, yeah. I don't even think she woke up for it. I think they got her while she was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, because as the fighting is starting, I was waiting for her to bust out of her room like she did in the alleyway uh, when they did the lesson and to, you know, do whatever to these guys. And I don't know if someone found out she could do that. And that's why they they realized the only way they could do it is if they killed her while she was sleeping. Yeah. I'm, I'm because, sure we're going to get more answers. But yeah, this is, yeah. yeah. Shalon, you know, hears the shouts in the smoke. She stumbles out into the hallway. Uh, she goes, she sees men go into Yasna's room. And she goes in to see Yasna, uh, you know, already on the floor, blood. And someone says, make sure. And the other one knelt, rammed a long, thin knife right into Yasna's chest. Shalon heard it hit the wood of the floor beneath the body. Shalon screamed. Uh, there is a Buffy episode in season five called The Body. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. And there, there's a character who dies. And there's another character that's in like, you know, shock and denial about it after they've discovered it. And there's a moment where the character finally screams, we're not supposed to move the body. And you can see it hit her that she realizes the person she's referring to is actually dead. And that's that's what I felt here. Mm-hmm. Like when because when I was when I was reading it, of course, I'm going super fast. It's it's midnight when the book's been released. I've got my <laughs> got my signed midnight release copy. Number 965, I may add. <laughs> and I just I didn't it didn't quite hit me. When, you know, uh, Yasna was on the floor and then I turned the page and it's not until Shalon said the body that I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And so Shalon makes it back into her room and throws the bolt. And it's mentioned that like the bolt's strong enough that they're going to need axes to take the door down. Mm-hmm. If they had fixed the latch on Yasna's door, I'm sure things would have turned out differently, but... 
things were going too well for Shalon. Mm-hmm. And I know the joy of reading is people coming upon problems and figuring out how to solve them, but this just didn't feel fair at all. So, I mean, Brandon Sanderson, obviously you did a very good job. Um, mm-hmm. But here's here's my denial. Here's my absolute denial. I, I don't want to say Yasna is dead forever. <laughs> I want to say I have so many thoughts about this because I can't, I'm, I can't believe she's dead. I refuse to believe she is truly 100% gone. Because so you and Shalon are on the same page. Me and Shalon are on the same page. Because, yeah, she's walking around fully expecting to trip over the corpse. That isn't there. I, I mean. That she just can't see. Right. But, but let me have this, please. Um, (laughs) I think Yasna transfigured one of someone else who came in to kill her into her into a lookalike and so the body that the other person stabbed was really their their buddy friend who's been magic to look like Yasna and Yasna somewhere else on the ship doing whatever or because Yasna is one of the new radiants she can't die she's going to come back either where is that written isn't she because she has the power and Kaladin has the power and Shalon has the power, so they're radiance, right? <laughs> there did are I, did I mess that up big time? Well, uh Spren does not guarantee immortality. Right. <laughs> I didn't say immortal. She could be mortal and die and be brought back. It's a fantasy novel. Anything could happen. So that's my guess is she's going to make a comeback either as a ghost or she's going to show back up. Use the storm lodge, Shalom. (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny that, sorry, I know we're talking about Yasna a lot. She died on page one of this chapter but i feel like we she needs a proper like send off or like send off moment not of- just megan's inappropriate <laughs> jokes yeah. but but you had said that um yeah shalon's mentor had to die for her to move to the next phase that's that's the hero cycle there's a there's a very well-known you know journey the hero's journey and so you think luke skywalker you know, goes on a journey, is apprentice to Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan dies, and then Luke becomes the Luke Skywalker that we know and love. Well, uh, actually, Obi-Wan dies, and then Luke finds Yoda, because he has to find a different teacher. And then Obi-Wan comes back as a ghost! Okay. (laughs) I will say, this is not Star Wars. I don't care. And they're... Do you know what? We don't, you're right, we don't know how death works in this world. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm not expecting everyone who dies to come back to life, but I'm saying Yasna and some guy named Tiern, if they could come back, that would be great. I can't wait for the episode where Dunny comes back and all the bridgemen are overjoyed and we find out there's a prophecy that one person every million years gets to come <laughs> back from the dead. And it's Dunny. It's Dunny. <laughs> So yeah, so maybe that's me just being in denial. I don't think this is the last we've seen of Yasna, even if it's 
flashbacks. I don't think that counts. I think we're going to see Yasna okay. come back in the future. And that's why I'm trying to not be as sad as I might be. Good luck. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so Shalon is freaking out. And what does Pattern suggest that Shalon does? Do. <laughs> Fight. He's he's very calm about the whole thing. I'm going to have you read. Oh, sorry. I Our pages are different because you've got the paperback. Okay. But Shalon trembled, still numb. Yasna. Oh, yeah. Sword, a voice said. Pattern hanging on the wall beside her. Mm, the sword. Yeah, and so he's telling her to bring out a sword, which, listen, did I not say a shard blade? Did I not say this in an earlier episode? Yasna. Shard er, sword. Shard. Blade sword. Blade shard. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, it's, it's kind of a mirror of the time when Shalon's in the library in the Palinaeum and sees the swear heads and is running and like sketching stuff as she goes and she gets to her bedroom and she's standing on the bed and she's about to call forth which I think was at that point her um, shard blade is that right mm -hmm. because there's a voice that's she's like arguing against this voice that she hears in her head when she's in her bedroom and the same thing's happening here uh, she, because it says, no, Shalon found herself hyperventilating as the men outside continued to ram their shoulders against her door. She was not ready for this. She was not prepared. Mmm, Pattern said, sounding dissatisfied. Lies. So, anyway. Lies. Pattern likes lies, though. He's, he's probably happy with this. But instead, she takes in Stormlight. Yeah, she doesn't try and call forth the sword. Um... Or does she? This listen. I was, I was kind of rushing through this. So yeah. Meg, you're, I, I was watching your eyes go back and forth <laughs> on the page, like zip, 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 zip. And I'm like, oh, we're gonna have so much to talk about in our episode. <laughs> so will you explain a little bit more what happens here? Because I'm still like, I know we got we we were we were fed from a fire hose the last few episodes about mm -hmm. here's how here's how surge binding works and here's all this stuff and I haven't quite taking it in okay. and internalized it, how it works. So, surge binding is any kind of power that uses stormlight. Okay. So what Kaladin does is a kind of surge binding, and what Shalon does is a kind of surge binding. Specifically, what Kaladin does is wind running. And specifically, what Shalon does is light weaving. Okay. So, light weaving is basically a human person becomes a holodeck projector. <laughs> so Pattern is trying to urge Shalon to use a sword. Sorry, my cats are doing something in the closet and it's making <laughs> noise, but I can't tell if they're being mean to each other or not. Oh, wait, no. There's Taco's tail poking up. Oh, they are being mean to each other. Just a second. Are we being nice or are we being mean? Yeah, I can hear you, bozo. Sorry. Uh, I have a very large hoop skirted dress set up in my uh, computer crafting room right now. And my cats were uh, both underneath the dress and fighting. <laughs> the boys are fighting. Anyway, <clears throat> focus. Human holodeck projector. Yes. So. Pattern is like, use the sword. And Shalon is like, no. 
And so then Pattern says, mm, lies. And she's like, I don't know how to do that. Because do you remember when she was thinking about plants up on the deck in the last chapter? She made the deck turn green with light weaving. Mm-hmm. And apparently she's done this before in her childhood, but Shalon's refusing to think about it, so we don't have details about it. Okay. But she knows that she needs stormlight to fuel it, and so she sucks, she breathes in stormlight from all of the spheres, which <laughs> took Kaladin like 900 pages to figure out. <laughs> um but in his defense, Shalon is much better at scholarship than I think he is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she almost figures it out as if by panic when the men finally burst the door open, Shalon screams and a blur of light that's kind of got her same coloring blows past the men and runs down the hallway. And because it's it's glowing, you know, they see it, their eyes are drawn to it, and then they chase it. So she's made a, like, bad, badly designed puppet version of herself and sent it down the hallway, and the men chase it. So she did it. Good job! <laughs> and then she sends Pattern up on deck to tell her what's going on. And whoever has come onto the boat is killing everyone. Like, they're not just gonna hold them hostage people are people are dying Mm -hmm. and the men who chased her image are looking over the rail of the ship uh her her fake shallan has apparently you know to all to all eyes it seems like she's leapt overboard Mm -hmm. and there's the oh yeah the trunk with yasna's books is gone yeah because yasna is alive and she doesn't want anyone to get her hands on her research, so she has taken them, and that's why they're not there. Or the people on the ship had a goal. I like mine better. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I think you're right that they did get her while she was sleeping because there's blood all over the bed. Well, remember when... uh shallan soul cast a goblet into blood and it was not her blood and it was all over the place i'm putting the dots together there are dots that are keeping yasna from being dead and they are mine i am not gonna (laughs) let them go okay hold on Hold on, but don't hold too tight (laughs) let go it's gonna be all right should that be should that be this week's song on the playlist? <laughs> I was going to be really glib and suggest another one bites the dust. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with the the hope and the force that you're bringing into this, uh, we're going to do that song from the Princess Diaries. Perfect. Soundtrack. Hold on, but don't hold too tight. <laughs> Let go. It's going to be all right. Don't run away. From what your heart is saying. That's right. My heart is saying Yasna is out there. Somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight. Someone's thinking of me. <laughs> okay. Um, Shalon's trying to find a solution to this. I have liked Shalon all through book one. I think she's great. She did some things that were a little annoying. But I actively disliked her in this chapter. Which I feel is very unfair to her. Because of what is going on. Mm -hmm. But 
the solution she comes up with and the way that she follows through with it, I just, it, ugh, I did not like it at all. Are you eating on the podcast? No. It's like with a pet. What's in your mouth? <laughs> I'll tell you, everyone, it's rice pudding and blackberries. It's delicious. Room temperature. <laughs> I'm an idiot and forget to put my groceries away, so I've got to eat it before it goes bad. So she she gets the the gems that Yasna had hidden in her room, and she takes the the stormlight from them. Mm-hmm. What does she decide that she wants to do with the ship? She wants to soul cast the bottom of the ship and sink it. Which why? Why can't you still uh, cast the men into into statues like Yasna did and take care of it that way? I don't think Shalon, given to how she reacted to what happened in the alleyway, do you think Shalon could use her magic to kill someone the first time she deliberately tries to use magic? I mean, I think anybody's capable of anything. But here's the thing. You're... Okay, I know they're not in the middle of the ocean, but they're not by land either. Like, what did she think was going to happen? You're probably miles from anywhere and you sink the ship? Like, so her thought is, right now, the people invading the ship have the upper hand that they have the men, like they have all of the the soldiers and Tazbek and his wife and Yalb, they have them at a disadvantage and she's like, the only thing I can do is level the playing field. By taking away the ship so everybody's treading water. Like, okay. In stressful situations, I understand people aren't thinking clearly. But I think this is the absolute worst thing Shalon could have decided to do. Is take away mm-hmm. something that's keeping them from actively sinking in the ocean. I'm not impressed with her. And I'm trying okay, not to be well- judgy because she's gone through a lot. But I... I'm getting really worked up and really mad about how stupid this plan is and the way that she executes it and doesn't even try and come up with another solution. Meg, the filter that you have well, on, um, your eyebrow keeps floating up in the middle of your head. Yeah, I have. I forget that um, I didn't have makeup on the other day for a Zoom call. So I have some very, very light eyebrows on. Just listen, my real eyebrows are a little patchy. And so sometimes I use a fake Zoom eyebrow filter. It looks good. Sue me. <laughs> anyway, but if you put your hands in front of your face, uh, the eyebrow still shows up on your hand. <laughs> so Pattern takes her to Shadesmar. Now, the time she's been there before, both times, she has completely fallen into a sea of beads. Mm-hmm. But Emily, it's a little different this time. Yeah, yeah, it is. She is on solid ground this time. So I don't know if every time you go, you can add a little something, like customize it like a Sims house or what. But yeah, she's Sims on Mar. solid ground. <laughs> yeah, And all the spheres are are on the ground. Yeah. And she finds the ship. She goes and finds the bead that represents the ship they're on, the wind's pleasure. This is, this, I, so listen, remember how you were like, could Shalon murder someone the first time she does? I think she does. I think she murders the ship because she like interacts with the ship's soul 
and manipulates slash convinces slash makes it do something it absolutely does not want to do. It's very happy being a ship. It's very happy being helpful. And she's like, well, that's not going to matter when all the people that you love are dead. And she forces it to become unmade. Even though like in the end, the ship's like, okay, I'll do it. But I I feel that Shalon did murder someone the first time she did this. And it was the ship. So this conversation with the ship is an interesting echo. Because in the first book, Yasna is trying to teach Shalon logic and reasoning. Mm-hmm. And she has to come up with a reasoning to get the ship to change. She can't just be like, bam, stormlight, flip, and it's different. Uh, like you said, she's she's literally conversing with the soul of the ship, and she has to give it a reason to change. Mm-hmm. Um, Pattern is translating the ship for her. Oh, yeah, Emily, real fast, what does Pattern look like in Shadesmar? Oh, he's one of the swearheads. He's the creature with the symbol above his head. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the I don't have the first book with me right now. But when she describes them, she talks about like they have these floating shapes instead of heads, mm-hmm. and don't uh, they have, that like, are long, you know changing stiff robes. Yeah, long robes like they're made of too stiff material or glass, and these ever changing um, symbols for their their faces. And so pattern, you know, Kaladin Spren Sill, she shows up like the. She can change shape, you know, like however she wants. Um, but pattern literally shows up as this flat symbol, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is interesting that they're not all like little, little humanoids. Mm-hmm. So she tries to just give it a bunch of, you know, her first attempt, oh, look, I have a bunch of stormlight. You can have it all. And the ship says, no, I serve. And she finally realizes that's her way in and she starts pleading with it saying you can feel them dying you can feel the blood on your deck there is only one chance to save them and that is to change if you change they might escape the evil men who kill it is uncertain but they will have a chance to swim to do something you can do them a last service wins pleasure change for them silence i Another light vanished. That's one of the captives being killed. Mm -hmm. I will change. And she can she can still hear what's happening in the physical world. The stormlight gets yanked from the gemstone so fast they crack. Mm -hmm. Um, (gasps) What? Nothing. I realize the thing. It's not important. (laughs) Okay. Your reaction suggests the opposite. But Forget okay. about it. Um, and then Shadesmar vanishes and the whole boat turns to water. Yeah. And Shalon is like underwater. It's not just like she falls into water. She is underwater and all of Yasna's possessions are around her and she's trying to swim up. And I'm like, anyways, I've already explained. I've already said how much I I hate the solution that she came up with. But something pulls her under. Something like is physically keeping her from from swimming up. I'm thinking it's either the giant creature that she went and sketched or it's Yasna being like, hey. (laughs) Or it's the figure that she created out of light that I think she might have created an actual physical 
meat puppet that is <laughs> like hate that. <laughs> I know. So something's got a hold of her. So in Shadesmar, mm-hmm. everything physical is represented by a glass bead. But there are hovering lights that represent souls or minds or whatever. Shalon's not entirely sure what they are. I think Shadesmar's really cool. <laughs> I'm intrigued to learn more. And I'm intrigued, like, when you go there, do you physically go there? Or do you just, like, are you still back in the world but just, like, look like you're in a trance? Like, I'm, I'm also intrigued to learn more. Yeah, because while she's in... The, the, while she's, you know, standing on this land in Shadesmar, she can still hear stuff in the real world. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you some dots. I'm not going to make you try and connect them together. Thank you. In Shadesmar, Pattern looks like one of the swear heads. Mm -hmm. And Shallan has been able to draw swear heads before. Those are some dots. Okay. Lit dot drop. (laughs) And then, uh... There goes, there goes Shalon. She is in the ocean now, and we wish her well. Good luck, Shalon. <laughs> Can she swim? We'll all find out. Uh, I would like to say, I don't think Brandon has read One Piece, mm-hmm. but this gave me very a very strong reaction to uh, the Going Mary, which is the first boat that the the pirate crew has in One Piece, and uh, this oh. is this is. Sorry, you said One Piece, and I'm thinking One Punch Man, and I was very confused with <laughs> that sentence. No. I don't know so what they, One Piece they... is. Emily? I keep, One getting, Piece? I keep getting notifications from Unspoiled, the podcast, oh, yeah. that that's what they're doing, but I don't know what it is. Okay, everyone. One Piece is one of the longest-running mangas ever. Mm-hmm. It's like in its 20th year or something. Wow. And... It is about a uh, main character. His name is Luffy, and or Luffy, or Rufy, or Luffy. It's, yeah. And he wants to be the greatest pirate captain that's ever lived. And in this world, there, because uh, it takes place in a, in a fantasy world, there are a number of magical fruits. And when you eat one of these fruits, it gives you a magical power. But the trade-off is, once you eat one of them, you cannot swim ever like if you hit the water you just sink like a stone you that's like the price for your new magic power so when he was a kid he ate one of these fruits not knowing what it was and it gives him the ability to stretch out his body kind of like mr fantastic from the fantastic four Mm -hmm. Um, but even though he can't swim and if he falls in the water he'll drown he's still determined to be the greatest pirate captain that there (laughs) ever was And there is a legendary treasure called the One Piece. And the story is about him finding other very cool people to join his pirate's crew as they sail this world of oceans and pirates looking for the One Piece. And they don't have a boat to start out. But early on, they help rescue this girl named Kaya. And she ends up gifting them their first ship. It was originally designed to be like a luxury vessel for her, but she gave it to, uh, she gave it to this band of, of goofy pirates. Uh, I started reading this um, after the first Pirates of the Caribbean came out, mm-hmm. and I wanted more pirate content in my life. I think I was 13, 14. It's fun. It's goofy. It is long and it is unfinished, but uh, 
it's it's still it's still a great ton of fun. So uh, a long way into it, like several years into the story, the going Mary is finally it's finally coming to bits. You know, it's this great little ship, but it's 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 done its best, and they try to repair it. There's like this really great scene where the captain Luffy is like trying to repair the ship, but he just he doesn't have the skills and like the keel of the ship is damaged, which you can't, you can't repair that. So they, uh, they end up, in fact, I think there's a fight between Luffy and one of the other crew members as to like who gets to own the, anyway, sorry, I can't, I can't describe 10 years of a manga right now. (laughs) Um, But they end up having to leave the boat behind because it's so, it's so damaged. But there's a bit where, they're all captured by, you know, a, a, like just world government people. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're all going to go down, that they're all going to die. And the wounded ship, like, comes to life to come and save them. Aww. And the the ship is singing and it's talking to them. And I was like, <laughs> because as soon as they're all safe. The ship starts falling to pieces <laughs> and it like gave its last measure of like all of the love and everything in it to come and save these pirates. And so they decide to give the boat a Viking funeral <laughs> and the the boat actually apologizes to the crew saying, I wish I could have taken you farther. Oh, no. <laughs> and the captain's crying because he's like, we should have taken better care of you. And so I was, I was crying as a boat was getting burned. <laughs> anyway, the, the wind's pleasure gives me very strong going merry vibes. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I just, Natasha, don't listen to this unless you're past that part. yeah it's cute it's got a goat on the on the figurehead mask cute anyway uh now we're moving on to chapter eight knives in the back soldiers on the field Mm -hmm. emily can you read us another excerpt from novani colin's diary it says i seek not to use my grief as an excuse but it is an explanation people act strangely soon after encountering an unexpected loss though yasna had been away for some time her loss was unexpected I, like many, assumed her to be immortal. Who does that sound like? Gandalf. No, you. (laughs) 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 Oh, it's me then. You would, you would think that uh, you would think that the murder happened on a river, a really huge river, and not the ocean, because you're in denial. Because <laughs> here's the thing: even though they have the instantaneous "I am" messenger, I think what has happened is everyone aboard is assumed dead because the ship sank, and they haven't received the joyous news that Yasna is still okay, and and. Yeah. No survivors? Then where did the story of Yasna's death come from? Right? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, we'll, we'll figure yeah, it out. Um, all of their IM equipment would have gone down with the ship. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how <laughs> Navani finds out. 
Which that's going to be heartbreaking to read. Because listen, I, and I don't want to get all into this because that it has nothing to do with the chapter. But the idea of a mother finding out her daughter is gone. It's just got to be rough. Like, like I think any, anyway, I don't want to get into it. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. So, mm-hmm. so what is happening is there has been a call to two uh, high princes to come and take a plateau and fight the Parshendi. Dalinar has come to observe, I guess. It almost felt like those teacher uh, observation sessions where like the principal will come and like sit in the back of the room and like judge you on what's going on because he's <laughs> that's Dalinar's there to kind of see how this is going. And here's the thing is even though the king has sent out this decree, only one of the high princes showed up. Mm. Aladar. Uh who's the other one that was supposed to be there? It starts with an R. R- Royon. So right now only one high prince is there. Dalinar has come with his reinforcements to help um i don't know if he expected this to happen or if he just wanted to be prepared i don't know but he's there and his men come to kind of give aladar's men a break and to and to help take the the plateau or the plane or whatever Mm -hmm. and uh emily what's dalinar wearing not his plate not his plate that weirded me out but i I don't know. I feel like as High Prince of War, you'd want to have that on. Mm-hmm. But maybe he doesn't want to come across as like lording it over people because not everyone has plate and blade. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, Aldar does have a shard blade. Uh-huh. Uh, but? But he elects a lot of times we kind of get a little a little background about him he elects a lot of times not to go on to battle himself but to lend his sword out to his like first in commanders mm-hmm. i don't know exactly who it is and and where it's explained that you can if you have a sword you can lend it to someone else like you have to like mentally like concentrate on it and f- like make it happen um and so you can send someone off with your sword and in the middle of a battle, you can also recall your sword back to you 10 heartbeats later. And it talks about there has to be great trust between the two people who um, give the sword back and forth. Yes. And he, uh, Aladar has plate and blade. So like he'll, he'll lend both of those out. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I felt like that was not a very Alethi thing to do. I, I would think that like once the spoils of war were yours, you kept them. But I think I'm, I'm, I had a bad example with who's who's the guy Sadius? that no who's the guy that took Kaladin's blade oh, Amaram Amaram yeah and he would have taken plate and blade because Kaladin killed the dude was wearing like gold shard plate mm-hmm. yeah do you think Amaram would have done the same if Kaladin had won just the plate or just the blade or was like the the offer to have both of them just too tempting probably too tempting like here's the thing though and i'm sad we 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 don't get this scene is i really wish okay i wish kaladin had put on the plate and the blade and amram had tried to take it and kaladin gets to go all like cool i'm gonna like defend myself and take revenge for anyways 
that's what I really wish would have happened. But I forgot that the the person that Kaladin killed had the plate. And so I'm fully expecting now Amaram to... <gasps> oh, Megan. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, what? no. What? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I just had a really terrible... Okay, please say I'm wrong. Will you please tell me if I'm wrong if I tell you something? Okay. Please. I'm... Well, I listen, I'm not just going to give you answers. Uh, do you know what? No matter what it is, I'm just going to refo it. Tell me what you think. Okay, so at the end of this chapter, uh, mm-hmm. Delinar has received a letter that uh, there is an old friend that's going to arrive soon on the Shattered Plains and who might provide a solution to Delinar's problem. Please tell me it's not Amaram. How would Delinar and Amaram be friends? Isn't Amaram a high prince? Uh, no, he is a high lord. Remember, the ten high princes are all out here. Uh-huh. He's a high lord um, that is... So he's very high-ranking person in Sadius's nation, okay. in Sadius's princedom. I'm just saying, if he's friends with Sadius, if Dalinar's friends with Sadius and they grew up together, I would assume that Dalinar knows him. Plus, Yasna was picked to be Amaram's wife, or, like, he tried to do this. I don't... Mm-hmm. Uh, if he shows up like an idiot in full plate and blade and sees, okay, sorry, my brain's going a million miles a minute. I have no, a fear right. that he's going to show up in plate and blade and see Kaladin and not recognize him. And Kaladin is just going to be all over how light eyes are the worst because, because remember, Amaram had promised to keep Tien safe. And when Kaladin talks to Amram about, oh, my brother, blah, blah, blah. And he realizes, like, Amram has no idea who Tien is or what had happened or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I just want Amram and Sadius to get what is theirs, what is coming to them. And I'm so worried that Amram showing up to the Shattered Plains. I, ooh, I want every, mm, I, mm. ooh, I'm worked up about this. Okay, so if he did, if he is this friend of Dalinar's, mm-hmm. Couldn't Kaladin just, like, tell Dalinar what happened? I mean, like, I Dalinar like really trusts Kaladin. He really does, but I don't know. Maybe this Dalinar would. I feel like maybe an older version of Dalinar would be like, no, we have too much honor to do something like that. But Sadius abandoned Dalinar. Dalinar knows people are capable of terrible things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would mean. If that would be, if he would go to Amram and say this rightfully belongs to this person and you killed and committed murder to take it from him give it back i mean dalinar's having a hard enough time getting people to do what he's asking anyway his standing in the camps has been hurt so mm-hmm. yeah but aladar is it aladar yeah yeah kind of gets to see dalinar's strength in uh tactical strength strategy because Aldar's mm-hmm. ready to like give a command to his men and Dalinar's like no wait look the Parshendi are doing this they're about to pull back you need to you need to uh have a tactic to deal with that and Aladar's just like so I have to obey you I thought that the whole point of this was you're just here to watch me and Dalinar's like you can do what you want these are basically just my observations. And Dalinar ends up being right. And Aldar had thankfully listened to him. And Aldar's like, I hate that you're so good at this. I hate it. 
it's like you watching TV. <laughs> I was I was gonna say like all authors watching Brandon's Kickstarter. <laughs> oh my gosh! So Emily, it closed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what the final number is? No, the last I heard was thirty three million. It closed out at forty one million dollars. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like. I love that. I love that. That listen, money talks and money gets people's attention. And I feel like a lot of times people are like, Oh, you read or write fantasy. You're such a weirdo. I'm like, Well, there's a lot of us. So, uh, Brandon had a really great post on his blog, you know, kind of answering questions about, Okay, well, what are you going to do with all the money? And did you expect it to be like this? And and for a great portion of it, he talked about the reason why he did this Kickstarter and structured it the way he did is for the longest time, he's been wanting to change how books are ordered. And now he has like the numbers and the statistics to prove that, hey, if people want just the ebook, they will pay this price for it. Mm-hmm. If people want... The audiobook, like they'll pay, they'll pay more for it. And I think you and Jane would really enjoy this post because he talks a lot about how Amazon's monopoly on audiobooks has been hurting sales for authors. Mm-hmm. And he also talks about that if we give people the option of fancier versions of the book, you know, paperback versus hardback, basically uh, it breaks down to math, where if you have a very expensive version of the book and a very cheap version of the book and you have 10 fans, that you will get less money than if you have a cheap, low medium, high medium, and expensive, you will be able to earn more money overall with more options at different price points. That's awesome. Yeah, and so uh, he also did say that he's not going to kickstart every single book he does, that this will only be for, again, more special projects in the future, like the Leatherbound or or things like that. But that hopefully this will show, you know, bookstores and publishers and online retailers that, hey, people like books and they will pay more for certain things. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when we were little and there's the Scholastic Book Fair and sometimes you could get like books shrink wrapped package with like a little artifact from the book itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Miss those days. Yeah. And <gasps> what? Oh hey, sorry, Warbreaker reader, you. Yes. Guess what's one? Of, they announced one of the things that's going to be in the Warbreaker swag box. What? A Nightblood letter opener. Does it have a button you can push and it talks to you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to kill some evil? <laughs> Listen to me, it's the Nightblood Sword speaking to you inside your brain. Um, Come with me, kill some evil. (laughs) So I don't want to derail us, but but a little bit along those lines, um, because I want all my books to match. Uh But I don't always like waiting for, how do I say this? If I get a book... Like if someone gives me a book and it's paperback and the next book comes Uh out and it's hardback, I'm not buying the hardback. I'm waiting until it comes into paperback, which I feel hurts the sales for these poor authors. But Mm -hmm. I just have like a weird aesthetic thing slash anxiety thing when it comes to books matching on my shelf. And so, yeah, if if that could be an option from the get go, like when a new book comes out, if I could choose hardback Mm -hmm. or paperback on opening day. 
I would be yeah. much more inclined to immediately purchase the book. So I think that's really cool. I think that there's a lot of uh, conversations that need to be had about publishing. I do want to want to publish books someday. And I love I love the idea of traditional publishing. Like I want to have an editor. I want to do it, mm-hmm. you know, with a publishing house. I want to buy physical books in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I am seeing an option for, because, okay, so listen, the podcast is derailed. Everybody deal with it. <laughs> it's time for book publishing corner. So you and I have always wanted to be writers, like since we were very, very young. Mm-hmm. And we have got to see a great rise in the respect for Mm self-publishing. It used to be that, oh, you only self-publish if you can't get an agent to look at your book. Mm -hmm. And that's really not the case anymore that a lot of self-published or small print or print-on-demand books are making up a bigger and bigger portion of the market, in part due to the increase of online sales Um, And also due to basically an increase in our ability to communicate and connect with people Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore being able to contact bookstores yourself and get your print on order books onto shelves of your local bookstores. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am just saying I'm really looking forward to the day I can go to one of your book releases, Emily. It'll be fun. We'll have a party. Maybe someday I'll do a graphic novel, but every time I'm like, oh, that's so much work. That's like, it's like all the work of animating a whole movie by yourself and writing a whole book by yourself. <laughs> and designing everything and the background and the outfits and the, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have considered making a graphic novel, but sculpting everything <laughs> and building all of the sets. So making like, Posable, posable puppets, mm-hmm. dolls. Okay, Corpse Bride. Yeah. Um, okay, look, the podcast is getting derailed even further. Come with us on a journey, everyone. <laughs> About claymation. <laughs> About stop motion. Stop motion. Which claymation is a type of stop motion. But claymation usually refers on face replacement animation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Leica does face replacement animation where they will plan out their lip sync ahead of time and in Leica's case um, 3D print or in Ardman's case sculpt all of the different mouth shapes and they literally will like take the face off the puppet and put the new mouth on. Um, For Corpse Bride, they actually built controls into the softer you know, plasticine or whatever they used on the on the faces where you could just turn a little screw that was underneath the chin and open the mouth wider or like put the corners of the mouth up or change the eyes. And so instead of face replacement, they literally were able to tweak the mechanics underneath the the stretchier, softer rubber of the puppets. That's so cool. And yeah, yeah, it is so cool. (laughs) I mean, they, they do have, like, some special shots where they did, you know, like, swap out different eyes or, like, different faces for specific effects. But I would love to commission something that complex of some original characters mm-hmm. and basically, instead of doing a, a hand-drawn graphic novel, do a built and photographed That would be very novel. cool. So I just, I love the creativity that people come up with stuff like that, like... Just very cool. It's very cool. 
back on track. On track. Um, back, 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 back again, again, again. I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about before Dalinar pulls out his amazing tactics, mm-hmm. his conversation he has with Aladar. And it is reminiscent to me of Shallan trying a couple different tactics to make the ship change. Oh, interesting. Where Dalinar first says, oh, hey, you almost lost. It's a good job that you have. It's a good job you have this extra support. And then Aladar retorts back, you know, in the past, I was, you know, this was my percentage of victory and this was my percentage of spoils. But now that my victory rate is going up, my spoils are going down. You can see how, like, this isn't a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. And then Dalinar tries another tactic and he says, okay, but this way you lose fewer people. And this, you know, the honor, and he he starts to talk about honor. <laughs> and then Aladar snaps, don't talk to me about honor, Dalinar. I can't pay my soldiers with honor. And I can't use it to keep the other high princes from snapping at my neck. And Dalinar finally says, fine, you'll obey because your king demands it or else. And Aladar's like, or else what? Are you threatening me? And Dalinar's like, yes, I'm threatening you. And he tries to appeal to Aladar's sense of honor that we're keeping this kingdom together in memory of Gavilar. That's what the honor pact was about. That's what this all is about. And Aladar drops the chapter title. Emily, can I have you read Aladar's paragraph? It starts with amusing, Aladar said. Mm-hmm. Amusing, Aladar said. Good of you to mention Gavilar, as he didn't bring the kingdom together with honor. He did it with knives in the back and soldiers on the field, cutting the heads off any who resisted. Are we back to that again, then? Such things don't sound much like the fine words of your precious book. Which, as snotty as this is, echoes Dalinar's conclusion he came to at the end of the last book, Mm -hmm. where he's like, Adolin was right. I've been treating the other high princes like adults, and I need to treat them like children. You require a child to do what is good before they're old (laughs) enough to know right from wrong. And I find, I I like that we're getting, again, Brandon does a really good job of this, both sides of the story or multiple sides of a story where kind of all through the way of Kings, we're getting this shot of Gavilar being talked about of this amazing person and, and he brought everyone together and he is such a good King and he's the epitome of honor. And we're getting now the other side of it kind of like, well, he didn't do it with honor honor he you know like he said he because yeah when uh delinar says uh you will do as you're told or aladar said ask yenev aladar started as if slapped 10 years back high prince yenev had refused to accept the unification of alethkar at gavilar's order sadius had dueled the man and killed him and ugh, this brings up so many interesting points like do you obey a man because he is king or do you obey a man because he is king and will kill you if he doesn't? If you don't obey him? Like, ooh, I love this. I love this sort of like multifaceted affair. I'm just, this is great. I'm really excited to keep going about it. Mm-hmm. The Parshendi are acting a little weird. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a there's a shard bearer. There's a Parshendi shard bearer that shows back up. Dalinar remembers this, this figure. And he's wondering why they didn't use this figure. You know, because they would have been able to get to the chrysalis because I believe the Alethi are able to get to the chrysalis now instead and get the gem heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had a you had a wish theory about this. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. I'm hoping it's a lady. 
I am really hoping because Dalinar, in our last episode that we we just released, he talked about like the idea of women on the battlefield or whatever. And I just, I just want him to be surprised at this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he does. He sees that they're doing strange things and he brings it to the attention of other people. And I like this foreshadowing as a writing thing because people are starting to see that things are not status quo with the enemy while things are not status quo in their camp. And I think that's a really good parallel that Brandon is pulling up in that things can't always stay the same, even if you want them to, because the world around you is going to change and surprise you and that sort of thing. And I I think it's great that the Parshendi doing new stuff is happening while the Alethi war camps are trying to implement new stuff. What specific new behavior are are the Parshendi doing? Oh, they're just watching them. Just observing. I think they're watching for Kaladin. I truly think that's who they're watching for. I'm going to have you jump back to chapter two and read the epigraph of chapter two again. Chapter two, bridge four. Our first clue was the Parshendi. Even weeks before they abandoned their pursuit of the gem hearts, their pattern of fighting changed. They lingered on the plateaus after battle as if waiting for something. <laughs> so, okay. So the first book, the epigraphs, especially the, the death rattles, mm-hmm. was a lot of information in plain sight that we didn't like get until the end when we realized what Teravangian was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think now in book two... We know that there's more information in the epigraphs, and I think Brandon is deliberately planting more useful information because he knows that this time around, people are going to be reading them harder. Yeah. So we already know now they linger, they're going to linger on the plateaus after battles. Okay. And now, due to this epigraph, we know that in a few weeks, the Parshendi are going to stop battling for the gem hearts. Interesting. Why? I don't know. Anyway, and then uh, he gets a letter Mm -hmm. and there's an old friend who was going to arrive soon on the Shattered Plains and who might provide a solution to Dalinar's problems. Please, Megan, please tell me it's not. We're 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 jumping back uh, a couple a couple chapters. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not chapters. Paragraphs. We're down are thinking about the 62 days. Okay, sorry. Now it's now it's only 60, but uh, he doesn't have enough time. And uh, I'm pretty sure their weeks are 10 days long. That sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, they, their, their months are four weeks of 10 days each. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that means Dalinar only has about six weeks until something significant happens. I think that's Seth. I think Seth is going to be there in six weeks. I wonder if Maybe Seth is the old friend who's going <laughs> to arrive soon. I wonder if Seth is already there and he's just hiding in plain sight and observing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued to find yeah. out more. Yeah. Uh, if I could take you to the map. So Seth was in Carbronth when last we saw him. Mm-hmm. And he's got to try and make it to the Shattered Plains. So Shalon and Yasna, R.I.P., they were also coming from Carbronth, mm-hmm. and they were coming by sea. Mm-hmm. So they did they go through the? It says Longbrows Straits, or did they go yes. around closer to the south? They're they're uh, through Longbrows Straits because I remember uh, they were sailing near the Frostlands. Okay, 
So I think they went above Thalina. Okay. But they're they're all in the ocean now. They're they're somewhere in the ocean. We'll see if anybody makes it to land. Ugh, Shalon, you're killing me. <laughs> what? That's not the only thing she was killing in that <laughs> chapter. <laughs> I killed a boat. She did. I'm just, uh, how she's what? 17 ish. Yeah. Like I can give her some slack because of her age, I guess. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm not saying I would have made a smarter decision or anything like that. I just don't like the decision she made there. Now, Emily, Mm -hmm. our episode is an hour long right now. Okay. How do you feel about clipping the episode here? Redoing the beginning and saying we're only covering two chapters this week. Okay. I'm gonna now. I, now I now I have to pretend that this was just it. Oh, here we go. So, so the old friend that's coming. Hopefully, it's not mm-hmm. Seth because if I remember correctly, Dalinar is on his hit list. Dalinar is the only name on his hit list Ugh. right now. I also hope it's not Amaram, but I kind of do because I want him to get his comeuppance <laughs> and I want Kaladin to shine. Because Emily loves the drama, and Emily loves betrayals. I do. And the thing is, like, I don't think it's fair for me to be able to guess anybody else, because I don't really know anybody else. So, also, Megan, does every, is every character's, is there a person that dies, the person who's in the prologue, do they die in the book? Like, it was Gavilar was well so so the first prologue was seth's point of view and he did not die in the book no but gavilar did it was a huge death and it was the chapter was all about gavilar and then this prologue is listen i've been reading the chapter i've been reading the prologue a lot lately it's not all about no um we don't have to put this in that was just something i'd wanted to ask you You can ask no i like it i think that's interesting no it's not the (laughs) <laughs> okay i ask this because uh megan told me that uh as a almost a thank you i guess or a you know hey here's a one last prize brandon actually read the prologue to the fifth stormlight archive and i said does that mean i can read it because apparently the prologue for each book is the night mm-hmm. of king gavilar's death and she was like, yes. And then she said, no, there's a lot of spoilers in there. Yeah, so I just I'm wondered. If- I don't know why I even considered saying yes. <laughs> so the reason why I paused and went, huh, is for a second, I thought you were right. But two out of the five. Uh, sorry, I have to shut up right now. Three out of. Listen, no, there's no pattern. There's no pattern. <laughs> but Yes. <laughs> Yes, Gavilar has died, and yes, Yasna has died. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean guaranteed that the person from each prologue dies. But every prologue is the night of Gavilar's death. Okay, okay. And we've now seen it. I read, I read the new prologue, and it was a point of view of that night. I was really excited to see. (sighs) I'm so tempted to just tell Emily who each prologue is, but I think it's it's a fun surprise to see it them is. when you open each book. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Sadly, the reason why the beginning of this book was so Yasna heavy mm-hmm. is it's a red herring. Is because <laughs> the rest of the book so far have been 
Uh, Yasna light. Let's see. <laughs> Extremely Yasna light. <laughs> for now. And for now. I can't wait for Emily to call me tomorrow crying because it'll finally hit it will, her. Oh, it might actually, you guys. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I would, Emily, I would encourage you to reread the Shalon chapters. It's, it's been like two months since we read last. Mm-hmm. I really am going to recommend to have you go back and reread the last night that Shalon and Yasna talked to each okay. other. Because it's sad. that's just, it means more going back to read it again when you know it's their last conversation. Mm-hmm. For now. Uh, it's their last conversation. For now. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I have some world information things and dot drops uh for emily i'm ready so we saw flame spren Mm -hmm. for all you spren heads out there yep for those of you listen to the storm pod that's what spren fans are called spren heads oh yeah by the way everybody listen to storm pod which is listen emily and i we mostly do goofs on here and we're a fun casual book club version of reading this book storm pod goes into it the jack and sean are two very thoughtful and considerate readers and if you're like emily and megan release too slowly great news storm pod releases weekly (laughs) is it a is it a spoiler free one like they're not going to talk about something in way of kings that they're like oh actually in book three no they're even more spoiler light than we are because their new reader uh jack he's never read another cosmere book oh okay yeah because you have some uh, Mistborn Knowledge and Elantris and now Warbreaker. Warbreaker. Um, but yeah, he's he hasn't read any other any other Cosmere books. So they're they're first time through, uh first time through guys. We saw Sprinheads, we saw two versions of Pattern. We saw him in our realm as, you know, just the shape that's on things, but then we saw his full Shadesmar version. Mm-hmm. Is that um, where they're more real? When they're in Shadesmar, they're like their true selves? Uh, yes. There was a conversation between Shalon and Yasna mm-hmm. that Shadesmar is where they believe the Spren are from. And Shadesmar has Spren cities and Spren kingdoms. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I think they may have even mentioned who the dominant society of Spren are. Okay. By Yasna's best guess, Spren are elements of the cognitive realm that have leaked into the physical world. Mm. Okay, here we go. Spren are those ideas, the ideas of collective human experience that have somehow come alive. Shadesmar is where that first happens, and it is their place. Though we created it, they shaped it. They lived there. They rule there within their own cities. Cool. Listen, they may talk more about it. You'll have to go back and read. (laughs) There's a reason why I kept harping on, like, what is Yasna saying, Emily? Listen to <laughs> what did Yasna say about this? Because this is like the last giant dot dump we get from her. Got it. Uh, For now. I am. I know we're three episodes in. I'm going to start something new. Emily, you know, the people on the chapter heading things and how it's like different faces every time. Mm-hmm. We talked. I'm going to tell you more Cosmere stuff and just overarching meta stuff. These are the heralds. I think we talked about that before. Well, it's not just a herald assigned to each character. It's specific heralds are chosen for each chapter heading. 
to be symbolic of what happens in that chapter. Oh, interesting. So in chapter seven. I almost feel like that's a spoiler though. Well, I, I don't want to. It's it's specifically for what happens in each chapter. Okay. I'm just afraid that like so if there's a chapter where where Yasna dies and, and people are going to be able to put through like, oh, when these heralds show up, someone's going to die. Well, that's not the herald that's in front of this chapter. Okay. And I don't think there's a herald that symbolizes someone's going to die. Okay. But okay. What I was what I was thinking was, is in our podcast, after we read the chapters, I will tell you at the end of our episodes, this was the herald for chapter seven. This was the herald oh, okay. for chapter eight. That sounds great. This is what this herald. Yeah. So chapter seven, open flame, was the herald Chanarach. And Chanarach is associated with the attribute of being brave okay. or, or being, like, obedient. Um, and so the, the herald most associated with bravery, I think, links to Shalon having the courage to, like, do her big, you know, take control of her destiny and, and evade the, the murderers. <laughs> and then chapter eight. <laughs> uh if you look at the the picture there mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully you can you could start to learn who the the heralds are now but uh Yezrian is the is the herald that is in the front of Dalinar's chapter and Yezrian was the king of the heralds and his attribute is leading and leadership okay. which is what Dalinar is trying to evoke here so thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode as we covered two chapters i know that's a first for us Mm -hmm. uh next week we are actually going to cover three but one of them is really small so we'll be covering nine walking the grave ten red carpet once white and eleven an illusion of perception all right this is fun we're we're getting further into words of radiance i feel like we're getting better at podcasting and we've got our structure uh, this week's song is Hold On by Bewitched. That's B asterisk witched. And it was going to be Another One Bites the Dust, but we are adding this song instead for Emily's hope that... Optimism. Yeah, her optimism. And I'm going to leave you with a snippet of the lyrics. It's time to fly and say goodbye nope. and move nope. on to a better place. Nope. Absolutely not. (laughs) All right, everyone. My name is Megan, and I got to get back to doing concept art. My name is Emily. I got to get back to cleaning the house. That's not as fun as writing my book, though, but. Do you know what? I believe in you. I believe in you, too. All right. Ready? Ready? Break. Break. So listen, what happened is we tried to find that song from the Princess Diary soundtrack, but it turns out that band, Bewitched, has another song called Hold On, and that's what's available on Spotify, which is where we make this playlist. So we're going back to Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. I think it's I think it's a side that Emily needs to just let go. That's not what's gonna happen. Yep, don't no, don't hold on. You can't hold on.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of My Sister Made Me View It. If you like to hear Emily and I talk and read and watch and talk, we do two other podcast feeds. And in fact, on this upcoming Tuesday, August the 9th, we will be posting our finale episode of Our Flag Means Death over on My Sister Made Me View It Miscellaneous. Then the following Thursday, you can hear us talk more about Roswell, the 1999 edition. But we will be back with more Way of Kings. I mean words of radiance on Tuesday, August, nope, Thursday, August the 18th. Now, the reason I started saying Tuesday and had to stop is after our flag means death wraps, we're going to pause our miscellaneous feed for the rest of August. But starting in September, we'll be back covering a new book on the MISC feed called One to Watch. So until then... Enjoy your regularly scheduled coverage of Words of Radiance and Roswell and catch up with us for a new book in September. How exciting. Anyway, uh, I love all of you. Me too. All of you are loved. Emily's here and she feels the same. Uh, And I will get back to you when we do our next episode. Bye. (laughs) Bye.